I love being a part of church. I want to thank you for coming. You didn't have to come, but I'm glad you came. And there are challenges today that probably kept you from uh, or made you contemplate. And some of you maybe at home aren't able to come. Some of you are able to come, but you've chosen not to do so. I want to encourage you to get to church. I believe that's something very important. I'm thankful for this age that we have live stream. But uh, when someone uses that as an excuse not to go, I do think that is... Uh, that's something you'll regret when you stand before God one day. By the way, if you're traveling around the country, don't watch live stream if you can be in church someplace. Provide your presence and your participation. You go on vacation, you planned all your things to do, where are you going to go to church? Sunday morning, Sunday night, midweek service, get there. Don't just decide to stay in your hotel room and watch church online. I know you appreciate that. I want to give it to you. That was free. That didn't cost you anything. Just rip your face off, Pastor Wilkerson. All right, there. Want to make sure, I want to make sure that our God's people, wherever you go, you're to be a blessing. This is a terrible thing that many people go to church, like, I hope I get blessed today. You know, I just came to get fed. Hope I like the message. Hope the song's good. It's all about you, isn't it? And that is just needs to get a different thinking. Because the Bible tells us, you assemble yourselves together and do it the much more. You see, they're approaching, exhorting one another. You know, when you come to church, you ought to come with a smile, a song in your heart, a note in your hand. You ought to come with a, a word of encouragement to somebody. You ought to come to be a blessing, not come to be blessed. And you'll walk away much more blessed. But we kind of treat church like a fast food joint that just opened up, you know. I hope I like it over there. Hope they've got fast service. Hope everything works out good for me. Hope everybody shakes me. I hope they're nice to me when I go in there. You're, not, you're supposed to be nice to other people. <laughs> you need to bring the welcome. Make yourself a welcoming committee of one. And I think we're so much. My name is Jimmy. Take all you give me. It's all about me. Rather than what God's trying to do through us and edifying us together when we're in church. And I'm glad to see you. And I appreciate so much this church family. The Lord's been very good to us. Faith. Someone said faith is the most important thing about us. What comes to our mind when we think about God? Christians are supposed to proclaim their faith. But I think oftentimes we struggle with faith because faith is a direct result of a relationship we have with the Bible. What you and I do with the Bible will determine what God does with us. And I'm grateful for those who come and listen to the Word of God in your Sunday school class. And by the way, if you weren't in Sunday school today, you should be. If your kids weren't in Sunday school, you should have your kids there. If you're, you don't have kids, you should still be in Sunday school. And be there early and, and be part of that class and build that class and help your teacher to encourage other people to do the same. Sunday night, we have a service this evening. Uh, Wednesday night, I hope you'll come. And I'm looking forward to sharing with you just a study of the book as we go into 2022 of 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians. Because I believe there's a lot of very important things in there that speak of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are two comings that oftentimes, if you don't put them together, if you put them together, you're going to get really squirrely in your doctrine. One thing when you talk about things to come and the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, he's coming two times. First time he's coming for his saints. The next time he's coming with his saints. Jesus and the Old Testament prophets almost always are speaking about the Lord's second coming with his saints. And that's going to be a very fearful time and a challenging time, especially in the Jewish people. But the rapture of the Lord Jesus Christ 
is not something that should make anyone nervous about. The human writer, the Apostle Paul, wrote about the rapture of the church. That's when he comes for his saints. Those of us who are saved, who have his likeness because we have accepted his, his gift of eternal life. It's kind of like a magnet that picks up iron. And, and uh, if, it, if, it has a, if you've got a sandbox and you have different kinds of metals there, but you have a magnet and you rub that, that large magnet across that sandbox, you know what that magnet's going to pick up? It's going to pick up not all metals. It's going to pick up iron. It's going to pick up iron. It's going to pick up that which has the same likeness. Well, if there's anything we believe about the Bible, we believe that the Lord is coming again. And it's not something to be afraid about. It's something to anticipate. It's something very important. Jesus said in John chapter 14, he reminds us, he says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will do what? Come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. Great Christians live with the understanding of the imminent return of Jesus Christ. He is coming again. If you believe that, it will change how you spend your money, how you face 2022, how you entertain yourself, what you do with your time and your calendar. If you know the Lord is coming again, and it could be at any moment. Oh, no, there are scoffers who say, oh, yeah, they've been saying that for decades. That means we're closer now than we've ever been. That's why a church attendance is so important. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, and forsake not the assembling yourselves together as a manner of some. Some people don't go to church. They don't think it's important. They pick and choose when they want to go, when they don't want to go. They pick and choose when live stream, when to be there in person. It's whatever their personal preference is. He said, but I want you not to forsake getting together with God's people because some people are like that. They don't think it's important. But he says, I want you so much the more, be more faithful, exhorting one another. Why? As we see the day approaching. What's the day? The day is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul was responsible for at least 13 books of our Bible. The first book that he wrote is the book we just read from, 1 Thessalonians. He was probably in Corinth when he wrote this particular book, and he wrote it back as a response to their questions. They had questions for him. Apostle Paul was on his second missionary journey. He is with Silvanus or Silas and Timotheus or Timothy, two men who are with him traveling. Dr. Luke seems to be coming alongside with him, if not then, sometime. You can read the story of this particular church getting started in Acts chapter 17. It's a great, great story. Paul has now picked up Timothy, a young protege who is devoted to the Lord, and thank God for young men and young women who are committed to Christ. Paul told Timothy, as a young man, let no man despise your youth. But be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, and faith, in purity. Until I come, give attendance to reading. Young people, you ought to read. 
You ought to read the Bible, read good books that honor the Lord and, and stay off things that are questionable. He said, I want you to evaluate your gifts and then give yourself wholly to what God's called you to do. That your profiting will appear to everybody. The reason that Timothy went with Paul is because he had such a great testimony among the other believers in that region. When they said his name, oh, yeah, that's a great young man. That guy loves the Lord. Boy, he's faithful to Christ. I see him. He's really growing the Lord. He said, don't let anyone look at you as a young person and think negative, but the way you'll overcompensate that is being a good testimony in your, in your conduct, in your words, in your love, in your faith, in your purity. He tells them that, and he's along with him, and they go to one of the first cities. There's no synagogue, and that's Philippi. And when they go to Philippi, they win some people to Christ, Lydia and her girlfriends. The jailer gets saved. The demon-possessed young lady probably comes to know Christ as well. There are other people who get saved in that community. But they had to leave fairly abruptly after the revival of salvation, especially of the Ethiopian, or excuse me, of the Philippian jailer. They had to leave, and they went to the next town, which was Thessalonica. In Thessalonica, they were there for three Sabbath days. That means three Saturday worships. And the Jews would gather together, and there in Thessalonica, there was a large Jewish contingency, at least large enough to have a synagogue. And they began to meet with those people, and they taught them three Sabbath days. And several of the people, and the Greeks, and the, and the Jews, Jews, and some of the chief women, lots of them, came to know Christ as their Savior. But then those who were, they were adversarial to the gospel... They began to, they, the Bible says they hired or they acquired men, lewd fellows of baser sort. I guess some gangbangers, you know, the guys that couldn't keep their pants up and wore the wife beater t-shirts or something like that. Got them together and they started telling them, hey, listen, uh, get, get these guys out of here. And so they began looking for them. In the middle of the night, the people of Thessalonica, the Christians said, Paul, you need to leave and don't wait till tomorrow morning. Right now, let's get out. And they took them out, out the city in, uh, the, in, in the middle of the night. And they went on to another town, Berea. And then the lewd fellows followed them over there after there was noise that they were witnessing there. And, and then Paul said, I'm going to go on to Athens, but Timothy, you and Silas, go back and help the new believers in Thessalonica grow. And so he uh, learned of their needs. But in 1 Thessalonians and also in 1 Corinthians, both places that he started churches were large Jewish assemblies. He speaks of the rapture of the church. He speaks of the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, when I talk about this, I want you to be excited about it. I want you to be comforted about that. The devil wants you and I to think that end times is scary. It's, oh, it's going to be terrible. The truth of the matter is, all we need for the Lord to come back is nothing. The Lord Jesus is not, is not, there's not a lot of signs that you have to look for, except for the signs you see in 1 Timothy chapter 3, perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves. How many of you can see that in the front page of the paper? Heady, high-minded, disobedient to parents, rebellious, 
insurrectionists, all the continual challenges of the day, and sexual sinners, and selfish sinners, and learning, ever learning, never come to the knowledge of the truth. Okay, that's what you need to have Jesus come back. Anybody think he needs to wait any longer? Does he need anything else that happens? No. Now, there are some things that are going to happen, and we'll study about this for the second coming of, of the Lord Jesus. Now, the first coming, we meet him in the air. He doesn't come to the earth. We meet him in the air, and he comes for his own. The first coming. The second coming is whenever there have been seven, there have been seven years of a celebration the, at the... At the, uh, the, the um, the Lamb Supper, the Great Lamb Supper, the Supper of the Lamb, excuse me, we're with the Lord. The judgment seat of Christ, I assume, will take place during that time, and we'll come back with our Lord. Now, during that season, you can read the Old Testament prophets, and you can read Matthew chapter 24, 25. You'll see, oh, it's going to be some ugly things happening there. Now, there's ugly things happening there. Nothing compared to that last three and a half years of the tribulation period. But nowadays we have many people who are saying, oh, the Lord's going to come back in the middle of the tribulation or going to come back at the end of the tribulation and that we're in the tribulation as we speak. I think that God gave us much clarity in the book of 1 Thessalonians. These are fairly new Christians. They got to hear their preacher three weeks and then he was gone. But in those early days, according to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13, that the Apostle Paul taught them about the coming of Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming again. And you want to make sure that you're saved. If you're here and you're wondering, I don't know, I think I am, I hope I'm not. Listen, that's a big, that's a big deal. When the magnet of the Lord Jesus Christ comes on this planet, I hope you're going to be sucked up with him. You'll have to have his likeness. You'll have to be saved. You'll have to have the Holy Spirit inside of you to that to happen. And if you want to play around with that, take your chances. But I wouldn't if I were you. I wouldn't let pride or procrastination keep me from getting that settled. I don't care if your mama thinks you're saved, your daddy thinks you're saved, your Sunday school teacher, your pastor thinks you're saved. If you're not and you know it, it's you and God who know that. And uh, don't go to hell over anything. Make sure you got that settled in your heart. Make sure you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. It's certainly something you don't want to gamble on. Because I believe if there's ever a time of history that Jesus is ready to come, I believe it's now. I don't know why we'd have to wait any longer. Now, he doesn't owe me a time. I'm not going to set a date. I don't have a, a time or a place when I think he's going to come. But I'm looking forward to him coming. And God wants me to do that. I want you to look real quickly. We're in 1 Thessalonians in chapter number 1. I want you to see the, how many chapters are there in 1 Thessalonians. How many know that? Say it out loud with me. How many chapters in 1 Thessalonians? Five. At the end of each chapter, there's a reference to his coming. Would you look at verse 10? And to wait for, for his son from where? Heaven. Would you look at chapter 2? And would you look at verse number 19? For what is our hope, our joy, and crown of rejoicing? Are ye, are not even ye at the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ? Read the rest of it with me. At his coming. Chapter 3 and verse number 13. And to the end that he may establish your hearts unblameable in wholeness before God, even the Father. Would you read the next three verses? At his coming. 
of our Lord Jesus Christ with all of his saints. So certainly he's speaking at the coming of Christ. Now verse number uh, chapter 4 and verse number 15. And this we say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain unto the what? shall not prevent them which are asleep. And by the way, if you're excited about the coming of Christ in verse number 17, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Notice verse 18, does it say this? Wherefore be afraid and be frightened about these things. Is that what it says in your Bible? No, what does it say? Read it with me, would you please? Wherefore? Boy, Satan wants you to think that Bible prophecy and his coming is scary. It's not scary. It's a welcome thing. I don't know about you. I, I love Linda, and she's my precious wife. And I don't like going to my house when she's not there. If she's not there, I'd just rather sit in my car and wait till her to get home. Because that house is just not the same without her. And when I know she's going to come home, I am not dreading it. Unless the house is a mess, then I am a little bit. And by the way, if you're dreading the coming of Christ, it may be because your house is a mess. You're not ready for him to show up. But boy, whenever you're waiting for someone you love, you can't wait for them to get home. You're like, oh, man, hurry up. I hope they don't get traffic. I hope they get here by the time. I can't wait to see them. You're excited about their presence. And God wants us to be comforted with the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look, if you would please, at chapter 5, you'll see in verse 23, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, completely. And I pray, God, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the what? Coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me say to you, friend, listen, the coming of Christ is very important. And all the book of 1, Corinthians, 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians talk about the two comings of the Lord Jesus Christ. When he comes for his own, we call that the blessed hope. Or the rapture of the church. The word rapture is not found in your Bible. Like the word trinity is not found in your Bible. It means a catching away. It means to be caught up. So he says uh, that's when he comes for his own. The second coming or the second advent of the coming is when he's coming with his own. That is about seven years after the first coming. Now, there's a lot of things in Bible prophecy. If you read Daniel, he'll talk about the 70th week. In, the, in the, the second coming, the Jewish nation in Israel is going to be very much front and center in much of what goes on there. That's where we talk about all of the trials and difficulties against God's people. Another holocaust, if you will, that will be put on by the Antichrist during that time. Well, the book of 1, Corinthians, 1 Thessalonians talks about that at length. And we're going to study that in the next few weeks together. I'm going to do it this morning, do it tonight, and then start on Wednesday night. Next week we'll be going back to the book of Acts in the morning, and we'll continue some of these thoughts and, uh, as we build our faith. I believe if you and I will understand God's way, our faith will be strong and our hearts will be calm. We live in a world and where fear is just rampant. Everything on the media is trying to get you. Politicians are trying to get us afraid. Doctors and everybody just make you afraid of this, afraid of this disease, afraid of this. What's going to happen in my future? What's going to happen to crypto? What's going to happen to my 401k? What's going to happen to my investments? What's going to do? What's going on here? Boy, it's just a great fear. But let me tell you something. God hath not given us a spirit of If you're afraid and that spirit comes on you, it did not come from the Lord. Satan is a master at several Weapons. He uses fear. He loves to use doubt. 
Wherever God puts a period, he puts a question mark. Wherever God says something, he tells something different. You can, tell, you can know this in your own heart. When God speaks to you in emphatic words from his word and from his Holy Spirit, Satan will have something to say right after that. When God said to Jesus, this is my beloved son, the next time that Satan spoke, if thou be the son of God. When the Lord, when the Lord told Adam and Eve, and, and Satan says, oh, yea, God said, you believe what God said. He loves to cast doubt upon the word of God. He uses doubt. He uses fear. And many of us, we're prone. We fall into those same pits continually. We're scared to death, run around like our hair's on fire. Scared about this, scared about that. And that didn't come from God. And there's, where there's a lot of fear, there's not enough faith. And when there's a lot of faith, there's not much fear. Just the way the Lord puts that together. Satan loves to use lies. Lies is his favorite. Lies, doubt, and fear. Those are things when you know that he is working when you see those things. But when you know the truth, the truth makes us free. We're going to look at just a couple of thoughts here, and then we'll continue our message tonight. Would you look at verse number 1 of 1 Thessalonians? I'm going to take about five minutes extra this morning and talk about this. Paul and Silvanus and Timotheus and to the church of Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, if you're saved, you're in the church, you're in God. Aren't you glad for that? I have a sweet friend. He lives in India now. His name is Bali. Igbal Singh is his real name. He looks like Mr. Clean. And a uh, bald-headed guy. He was a cook and of an of a Indian restaurant. Had the joy to share the gospel with him and see him get saved. But after he got saved, he was so burdened for his family to get saved. He threw all away his idols and things of that nature. He started attending church faithfully, inviting people to come. But he would say, pray for my wife, John Swat. I want her to be saved. I told her, no more go to the temple. No more go to the temple. She goes, oh, why not? Because I'm telling you, don't go to the temple. So he's calling her in India, telling her, don't go to the temple anymore. He found a church, and he went and called that pastor. He said, he goes, pastor, do you believe like Pastor Wilkerson does? He goes, who in the world is Pastor Wilkerson? He has no idea. I remember going to the restaurant one day. He says, hey, stay right here. Okay, Pastor Belly Bar, find out if you believe like my pastor. Here, you know, and he's telling me this. And found out the guy had translated through the Bible for J. Vernon McGee for that region in Punjab. And he's a Bible believer. But he had a small church of about 15, 20 people. And he said, now go to that church. He told his wife to go to that church. She went to that church. He goes, oh, very, very poor church. No gold, no silver, nothing. Just white walls. He said, yeah, but they have the truth. Stay there. He goes, how many people go? He goes, 15 or 20 people. He goes, okay. He said, go out and buy crackers and cookies and tea. At the end of every church, go tell people, come. They can have crackers. He said, the church went from 20 to about 80 people right away. It was unbelievable. The pastor thought he died and went to heaven. Now, all these people are coming, and, and people get saved. And, but I, I remember him telling me, he goes, Pastor, my wife in Jesus. My wife in Jesus now. He said, pray for Kumal. Pray for Bupinder. My brother, my sons. And I remember him telling me, oh, come on, Jesus. Bupinder, he is now in Jesus. It's a beautiful thing. When you're saved, you're in Jesus. And Jesus is in you. How many are grateful that Jesus is in you and you're in him? What a great testimony. If you can't raise your hand, boy, you ought to get excited about that. If you are saved, if you're not saved, don't leave without Jesus. Let's look at this real quickly. I want you to notice verse 3. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, 
your labor of love, your patience of hope in, Je- in the Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God our Father. Why don't you read it with me again, verse 3. Remembering without ceasing your, your labor of love, your patience of hope. I want to ask you something. What will you be remembered for? Here's what they remember. He said, you know, here's what I remember about you. You know what you're going to be remembered? Don't be remembered that you're a Bears fan. That's really embarrassing anyway. Right, Alex? <laughs> don't be remembered that, oh, he liked hunting. That's all. The, oh, he talked about hunting all the time. Now, I, I don't think it's wrong with that. I think if I died today, my kids say, oh, my dad loves sports. But I hope they would say, before they said that, they would say, oh, my dad loved Christ. You know what you might want to be remembered by? Your work of faith. That your faith worked. Your labor of love, your love labored, and your patience of hope. You kept on going through things because you knew what God said. You know, one of the things that really challenge us in our Christian walk is a constant awareness that Jesus is coming again. And when you really believe Jesus is coming in, you know what you'll do? You'll put your faith to work. Some of us, we just feel like we kill the big one if we come and sit, soak, and sour for a little bit. It's been a long time since you lifted a finger to do anything for God. So it's been a long time since your faith really did something. Labor of love. Your, your love for God and others was shown in your service, in your labor, in your patience. People now quit for anything. They quit and patience means perseverance, a, a desire to keep on going. It's amazing. Oh, that person hurt my feelings. I'm never going back to church again. Well, what a whiny baby. You know what? You, you, you've got the hope in the wrong thing. Your hope is not in a person. It's not in a personality. It's not in somebody else. It's not anyone walking around with two legs. It ought to be in the Lord. It ought to be in the Word of God. And when we are consciously aware and we believe that Jesus is coming again, I think our faith will work, our love will labor, and our hope will cause us to continue being faithful to the end. If you look at another passage where the Lord's coming back, you'll find it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I encourage you to read it today. At the end of the chapter, at the end of the chapter, it talks about Jesus coming back. We'll be changed and we'll be made in the image of God. Then the Bible tells us, Because of this, be steadfast, unmovable, always in the... You know, one thing when people realize that Jesus could be coming again, they get with it. They don't just sit and watch the world go by. They say, God, what do you want me to do today? What do you want me to do with my time, my treasure, my training? What do you want me to do with my Sunday mornings and my Sunday afternoons and my Sunday nights? What do you want to do with my Wednesdays? What do you want me to do with my Saturdays? What do you want me to do with my Thursday mornings or my Friday afternoons? What do you want me to do? Because a conscious awareness of the presence of Christ and his imminent return, I think, will affect our faith, our love, and our hope. Let's pray together, can we?